Investors like you have a problem. Today, most portfolios only include stocks and bonds. While it's currently performing, it's a strategy that Goldman Sachs predicted in 2023 to underperform for the next decade. Luckily, our sponsor, Masterworks Advisors, focuses on a non-traditional alternative asset, helping over 15,000 investors diversify a portion of their overall portfolios with blue-chip post-war contemporary art. Over 60% of wealth managers surveyed by Deloitte have already integrated art into their wealth management offering. And by signing up at masterworks.com slash advisors with code free, you can talk to a registered investment advisor representative who deals exclusively with this alternative asset class. So schedule a free same-day advisory call with Masterworks Advisors just by going to masterworks.com slash advisors and using promo code free. That's masterworks.com slash advisors promo code free. This advertisement relates to the provision of advisory services by Masterworks Advisors, LLC, and is not intended to offer or solicit investment in any securities and is not investment advice. Masterworks Advisors is affiliated with Masterworks. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And welcome back to the Rock Chalk Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Mitz. Today, we have a full show for you. Uh, yes, it is Oklahoma week. It is homecoming week. There's a lot of stuff going on for college football. But college basketball is right around the corner, and we have yet to have our basketball preview show. Normally, I'd be doing this with Kyle and one other guest. Unfortunately, Kyle was not able to make it today. But I do have a guest. Uh, you guys know him as the Scoopsmeister. He is one half of the Could Be Wrong podcast covering everything Kansas Jayhawks. It is Mike Vernon. Mike, how you doing today? I'm doing great. There's a ton going on. It's a it's a fun time to be a KU fan. So yeah, I'm doing I mean, good. man, it's you know what I I I know that this is a basketball focused episode, but I just have to start off at the top. The fact that Big Noon Kickoff is coming on Saturday for homecoming. You fired up? I think it's a bigger deal than game day coming last year. And and I'll I'll get into that here. Well, I, actually, you know what? I'll okay. just lay it out here. I'll just lay it out here. Lay it out. First Show of it. all, last year, yes, it was great. Kansas was ranked. TCU was ranked. You had two schools, right, that were here um, having absolutely phenomenal seasons, completely unexpected seasons. It was a... a dream you know of a this is a storyline you just can't ignore two undefeated teams coming in this year kansas getting selected for this even though it's not college game day it's still a big you know a big national you know kickoff show um kansas is five and two right they're not as big of a story as they were last year they're still a good story but they're not as big of a story oklahoma is undefeated but you know this is not just a Oklahoma, like we're coming to see Oklahoma. It's we're coming to see Oklahoma at Lawrence because it's actually a pretty big game. It has implications yeah. for the Big 12 title. There's a lot of stuff going on in this game. And the fact that it doesn't take Kansas, you know, having a historic start to their year, um, being ranked and just being undefeated at that point for them to come to Lawrence. I think that says more about where the program is than what happened last year, where you had to talk about that story. Like you had to come as, as college game day. There wasn't really another option here. There's probably five or six other games you could have picked, you know, as your pregame show, if you really wanted to, but the fact that they Kansas really was able to us. get it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yes, it, it helps that we are the 11 o'clock 
game on Fox, and they typically will come to that if it's worth coming to. But you know, we also were our got to hit that slot. Well, yeah. right, right. Still, I think fairly clearly the best potential game in the Big Twelve this week. Um, which is not something you would have been saying, you know, along, you know, even just like two years ago, Kansas and Oklahoma is not a game that you would expect to be the big, the best one in the conference. Um, so I think this is a bigger deal. Like the fact that this program is getting respect. Um, you know, I, I, we'll, we'll go ahead and talk about it up here at the top because I know that Kenny Logan was a little bit upset that the game is not already sold out on Monday night. I, I understand the whole thought process of, oh, well, they will get it sold out. It'll probably be sold out, you know, Wednesday or Thursday, but this is a game. You know, after a bye week where you're kind of licking your wound from a, a an unfortunate loss, you know that this team plays a whole lot better at home, especially when the stadium is packed. It's homecoming. It's Oklahoma coming. There was no way that this was not going to be an event. The stadium should have been sold out by now. It's, it is pretty surprising. I, I don't disagree. Uh, I'm looking right now at the seat map. They're going to, I think they'll sell this thing out. There's, there's, I'm looking around. There's quite a few tickets. I think this, they'll get it sold out. That's, that's my guess. I think they uh, will. It's just, to it, be honest. The fact that it's not is yeah. a little silly. Yeah. The, the, the place that this program is at and what everybody talks about, they want a team that's winning. And, you know, like we've, yeah, the it's The program here. has given fans everything that they could have asked for. You know, there's nothing else that they can do that screams, we need your support. We need you to come out and pack this place. And the fact that it's not already sold out, like, I understand, you know, there's there's stuff going on. People have, you know, other stuff that's going on in their lives. But if you were going to go out to this game, there's no reason to be waiting, which means if it was going to sell out anyway, why are we waiting to sell it out until Wednesday or Thursday instead of having it sold out now? Yeah, yeah, it's a... Uh... Yo, we're talking about the difference of, of like a thousand or two thousand people, I think. There's not that many tickets, but that's fair. And like, and looking I at just, the seat map, I think looking. most of them are probably Oklahoma uh yeah, like quite visitor a few section, the, but quite a few in the visitor, a few in the bowl, but not that many. I, I don't blame the players for saying something though, because they know it'll get attention. They know it'll it'll boost sales a bit. Um this is what we've been talking about, but it, it, I'm looking at it now. I'm confident that that's this place is going to be rocking on Saturday. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, it just would have been a whole much better announcement to say, you know, big noon kickoff is coming for a sold out Kansas versus Oklahoma. Yeah, no, game, no, I so. agree. I agree. It's like, this is what we've been talking about. It, it's here. This is the time. This is the time to support the team. We've been waiting on it for 14 years. This is the moment. Show up. KU can make a statement for the conference, for the program, for the future of the program on Saturday. And this is a much better team than the one that almost upset Oklahoma two years ago. And honestly, yeah. I think the Oklahoma team is better than it was two years ago as well. So, yeah, you know, yeah, I like, think so. this is something that you should be looking at as a very good opportunity, especially for a Kansas team that plays really well at home. So, all right, let's not turn this into hey, a. Hey, go ahead. Go ahead. We got we got a it is October twenty third. We have led a basketball preview podcast, as I understand it. Yeah. Football. And you haven't done the basketball preview until Right, October exactly. 23rd. That was the part that Times, was like, Oh my gosh, wait a minute. <laughs> they are changing. Yeah. 
Normally, you know, right. Normally beginning of October before Big 12 Media Days is when I would (laughs) be looking at that. You know, I'd have someone on and we'd do the deep dive and be talking about a month from now is when we're going to finally get to see all this stuff. We've already had Big 12 Media Days. Um, You know, we've already got some pretty big, I think, storylines to come out of that in terms of expectations. But um, so let's just dive right in. Um, Obviously, Hunter Dickinson was, you know, he's Big 12 preseason player of the year and newcomer of the year. He was also just named earlier today. Uh, from when we're recording to the uh, to the um, first team All American uh, preseason, so like there's a lot of expectations for for Hunter Dickinson coming into the year, but um, obviously he's not the only guy on this roster. Let's let's take a look first. What is the biggest storyline you think for this team over the course of the off season? And there's a lot of possibilities. Man, over the off season, yeah. So like, basically, not you know, counting. Go ahead. Not counting Hunter. I mean, you can you can pick Hunter as well. You know, him transferring obviously happened during the offseason. So, I mean, yeah, to me, to me, that was the biggest development the entire offseason. That recruitment, KU was all in. They sold out and it paid off. So to take the risk and, and land it as a result is the most important thing. It guarantees a shot at the national title essentially. So that's, that's my top story. Yeah. I think Um, that there's other things that could be overall as impactful, but there's nothing that's clear cut. Like that is going to make a difference. Like if you don't have Hunter Dickinson, I still think this team could potentially be a national title contender with some of the other stuff that they have, but he's a really big piece in the middle that really helps a lot. Um, Similarly, you know, I think, I think bringing in some of the guys that they did, like, I think El Marco Jackson is a guy that I think is going to have. Yeah a fairly big impact on this team. Kevin McCuller coming back to school is a huge story for them. Um, kind of helps to simplify stuff a little bit. You can even talk yeah. about, you know, things like Johnny Furphy coming in. I don't know. Bill Self made a mention in, in at, at media days about how he's competing, you know, for that number two spot or for like the, the two position, but probably won't be starting the season there because he still has a little ways to go, which is basically what I was expecting uh, coming in, but you know, you can talk about Arturio Morris and, and him leaving the program yeah. kind of being a big deal. And, you know, there was obviously it a lot a of fallout there. There's just a ton, I think of stories to pack in more than we normally would have at the beginning of the year. Cause normally, you know, it's like, yeah, they, they restocked the roster and, uh, you know, and, and they're, they're looking pretty good. And these are the guys that are probably going to be the biggest contributors. And, and then you look at the schedule and stuff like that here, we could probably spend an entire, you know, hour and a half long show just talking about off season stories. So I don't want to, I don't want to do that because we obviously are pre previewing a season, but I mean, do you think there's any of those stories specifically that has a, a, uh, an, an impact on the season coming up that maybe hasn't been talked about, or you think that could kind of sneak in there and, and potentially cause some, some issues, either, either good issues for us. I'm sorry, either good issues for us and that they're affecting other teams or, you know, things that maybe could have some fallout from what happened this summer that maybe we're not thinking about right now. I guess this is a little, this is a little obvious, but like the backup point guard situation is pretty glaring. And that's a result of Arterio Morris not being, not being on the team and, and self and the staff making another decision that, that did not was, proven to be the wrong one um you know you look at you're gonna rely on probably all marco jackson to get some minutes there as your your backup one 
I, you know, I don't think I don't think it's Timberlake. Like you can you can run an offense maybe through Kev McCuller if Dewan is out or in foul trouble. Like actually, I think that's that's possible. That, that's probably where they go. Yeah. Lean, yeah, if you're gonna lean on um someone you trust, right? It, it's all gonna be about trust. So I think that'll be at least early in the season. Really important, yeah. And El Marco Jackson is is supposed to be great, but uh, that's that's the biggest question outstanding to me is on their roster. Like you're you're playing with fire a little bit, um, really relying on Dewan Harris playing heavy minutes every night. I did find it interesting uh, though. Again, talking to Dewan Harris um, at Big Twelve Media Days, he did mention both both him and Kevin McCuller talked about how KJ Adams is kind of playing all over the place. He's not just playing at the four. Mm. Um, you know, he's been, yeah. he's been guarding one through four. There's been a few times where he's brought the ball up the floor. Like he's doing a lot more because he doesn't have to be the big post guy down low. Yeah. Um, so I think that's a wrinkle that we may not be fully prepared for. Like we might see KJ Adams in some really weird situations this year that we just weren't expecting. But I, I do agree. I think the bigger takeaway for me, obviously there's all the non, you know, like off the court stuff, uh, in terms of the arterial Morris si- si- situation. But I think regardless of whether you thought it was likely that he was going to have some fallout from his previous charges that got en- end up getting dropped, or, you know, you were worried about potentially something else happening, which unfortunately it did. I think there was question marks about, or I should say, I don't think there was a question that arterial Morris was probably the best fit on the court for the Jayhawks. And they were yeah. reasonably certain that he probably was going to be available. Unfortunately, when I go back and try to evaluate that, it's it's a combination of, yeah, there was this risk here that kind of bit them. But I don't know who else you would go out and would have gotten that you definitely would have had that would have meshed in the same way that Arterio Morris did. Because we saw what he did down in, in Puerto Rico. He was he was phenomenal all over the place, doing a lot of different stuff. Got you really excited about this team even before Johnny Furphy came. Um, you know, he, Yeah, exactly. He was doing a ton of stuff, though. And so... There was there was a really good, you know, example there of why they brought a guy in like that, why they did the due diligence to see if they were comfortable bringing him in. I think obviously hindsight being 2020, you would have rather gone and gotten somebody that you're actually going to have, you know, for the season coming up. But I, but I also don't think it's a a situation where it's so cut and dry that like you you shouldn't have even thought about bringing him in because of how big the upside was if he actually did what he was supposed to. Yeah, I you know, there's just too much I don't know about what what was looked into, how diligent it was, what actually happened um, in the most recent allegation and incident. So it's really hard. Like you've said, it's it's just a really challenging. We don't know, and I can't sit there and say who else they should have gotten instead. You're not going to get a five star defensive athletic you know self-styled point guard um right I'm popping on your roster every day like it's just unusual so i understand why why the idea was there well and There's i, I think much I, I think as so, well too yeah. i think there was enough confidence in guys like el margo jackson and i think there was also you know because this was still back when guys like chris johnson or marcus adams were still expected to be on the team. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, so like there was oh, yeah. an expectation that even if something did happen, right, exactly. Is you're like, wait a minute, these, these guys, um, Marcus <laughs> Adams, who by the way is a BYU transfer that was getting talked about at Big 12 Media Days with the BYU coach. Um, no, but yeah, no, it's I'm funny. Like it, it's just, it's really weird to think about all of these, you know, Kansas guys that they were expecting to have. There's probably about three or four different guys that they thought were going to be able to mesh well or would be good backup if something were to happen. And, you know, it is, it is one of those things we have talked. Uh, not not you and I specifically, but we here on this podcast have talked multiple times about the whole, you know, we don't get all the information about these situations going on. Um, I can think of multiple instances where, you know, it didn't seem like it was as bad as it was until all the information came out and KU players were rightfully dismissed pretty early from, from, from you know, the, the program. But there's been other times where, you know, they suspended the guy, let him go through the whole process, and it turns out that he didn't actually do anything wrong. There's been at least a couple different guys I can think of uh, where that happened, where they went through allegations and it turned out that the allegations were made up or which again, I'm not trying to like, I'm not trying to have any no. kind of value judgment on this specific situation. What I am saying is as an, as an organization, you take a look at the information you have, you look at it at face value and you make the best decision you think is going to be helpful for both your team. And then, you know, give the guy another chance potentially if, if you think that it's, it's worth giving him another chance. And I think, I think it's fair or I think it's, it, it, it's fair to question if maybe there was some other information that they should have known. But like you said, without us knowing exactly what information they were given, how they, you know, actually verify the information, there's a lot of stuff that we will never know that we never could know, um, to, to try to make those value judgments. So it's fair to, to question. It's not fair. I think to make definitive statements about how Bill self should have known better and, and shouldn't have even thought about bringing him in. So, um, what I will say though, I do think it's going to have a potential impact because that is, you know, if you're looking for a hole in this team, that's probably what it is. The backup point guard. Um, I think there was expectations that you were going to have time for Marcus Adams or, um, you know, for different guys to develop. Obviously the only one that's still here, El Marco Jackson, um, who potentially could, you know, do ball handling, but he wasn't like Jamari McDowell McDowell. Yeah. I, I, I always forget about McDowell for whatever reason. I have no idea why, especially since I was such a big fan of Jamari trailer. Um, you know, so yeah, but uh, like they have a few guys, but I don't think that there's anybody who's ready right now to kind of step into that role. So let's let's go ahead and take a look, though, going up and down the roster, because if you look on the ESPN page or you look on the, the, the KU Athletics page, there's 17 different players on the roster. Obviously, some of those are walk ons. Um, but Bill Self has basically said, hey, we've got nine. A lot of them are walk ons. Well, yeah, I know. <laughs> but Bill Self basically said we have nine scholarship players and they're not planning on playing. Um, Zach Clements, they are still going to go ahead and try to redshirt him this year. So it's a, it's a fairly, I think, streamlined group of guys that you're looking at. But is there anybody that you take a look at and you think he's just going to have a breakout season? I, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to what he's going to bring. Um, breakout season. Well, you know, okay. I'm, I'm excited to watch Cole take, but Kevin McCullough take the step in this. Ochai, Agbaji, Jalen Wilson come back for the extra year role. Uh, you know, I just, I think it took him about three fourths of the year to get really comfortable in this offense and, and to not think so much. So I'm excited to see him continue to develop. These have been some of the most rewarding, I think, stories and experiences as a, as a KU fan. And I'm, I'm really hoping that we get to watch that together as, as a fan base. Um, so, you know, I'm excited to see McCullough's development and confidence. 
I've heard great things about Johnny Furphy. Um, Me too. It's yeah. the obvious one. I think it's this this question mark in everyone. You know, I was told by someone I trust, most talented guy on the on the roster right now is Johnny Furphy. Doesn't mean he's ready now, but they they think his ceiling is yeah, it's, really really high. It seems like I do this every single time. There's a comparison, but. <laughs> It remind the way that I've been hearing about it and the way that you're talking about it now, it reminds me a lot of when, say, Joel Embiid came to campus. Extremely raw. You saw the potential that he could be a very good player, but the question was going to be how quickly could he put it together? How quickly could he do it in a system and actually make it, you know, game ready? Um, Furphy, maybe not quite that same ceiling, especially, you know, seeing what Embiid's turned out to be. But the fact that you have a guy that you can tell just by looking at the way he carries himself on the court that he has a ton of talent. He just needs to figure out how to use it effectively um, and repeatedly in order to make it so that it can be a benefit to the team. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, you know, there's some Christian Brown to him. That's an obvious comparison, but I think it's, I think he talks some trash. Like uh, he doesn't, he's not afraid. That's, that's more um, of kind of what I've heard. So I'm, I'm really excited I expect it to be pretty up and down, uh, certainly early. Jamari McDowell has been better than they thought, I think, but he's still, they're not going to be relying on, they don't want to be relying on on many McDowell minutes. Um, in, yeah, he in was, minutes, he always seemed yeah. to be a signing that was intended for like a couple years from now. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's long, he's athletic. We will know, I think, pretty quickly, like, oh, okay, all right, he's a point guard with some potential. He he um, felt to me like a, kind of similar to what the Ochai signing was, right? Like, like you sign a guy who has a lot of potential that probably wasn't highly regarded, you know, coming in. Um, they hope know, so. Yeah, they not hope, not necessarily yeah. as local as Ochai was, of course, but, <laughs> um, you know, kind of a guy that's in the stomping grounds of where you're usually at, that you, you have a, a decent – you know, thought process that maybe he was a little bit under recruited um, and somebody that you think you can develop over the next, you know, couple years, obviously Ochai developed a lot faster than I think a lot of people expected and then stayed longer than people expected him to. But Jamari McDowell, I think is the kind of guy that you, you expect him to be that junior or senior that anchors the team in a few years, you know, that, you know, brings all that experience and really kind of helps them to figure out how exactly they want to play. Yeah. I think they're, they're optimistic about his long-term trajectory. So we'll, we should see signs of that. And then it's, uh, you know, KJ, I don't know that th- this guy's ever going to be an offensive force, but it, it'll be really nice for him to play in a natural position. They're going to try to use him as a facilitator, use his ball handling, speed, athleticism at that position. You know, he'll either be, he'll either be bigger than an undersized four or faster than a, you know, a slow big man. So, you know, I'm just, it'll be nice to see him in a more natural environment. Um, so that's, that's pretty much the, a lot of the, the group. Um, well, I mean, have you heard anything about, we didn't touch on Timberlake. We didn't touch on Clements who they're going to try to redshirt, And then it's the walk on. Yeah. I mean, so, so obviously like, I think that really kind of ties into, the question about the starting lineup. Like, I think we know that four of the spots are definitely filled, right? You've got Kevin McCuller probably at the three. 
you probably have KJ Adams at the four. You have Hunter Dickinson, obviously, at the five. And then you have, um, you know, Dewan Harris at the one. The question is, who's going to be that number two, that shooting guard? Um, I think early indications, and, and of course, Bill Self kind of talked about how, you know, Timberlake and, uh, and then El Marco were both kind of going back and forth in practice and that it was probably going to be one of those two guys, but, you know, Furphy and McDowell are kind of in the mix there. Um, I think that that one is far enough up for grabs. Like from what I've heard, Timberlake is the, is kind of filling the big, or sorry, the Bill Self role of I'm going to go with the experienced guy until mm-hmm. one of the young guys gives me a reason to put him in over him. And so if I yeah. had to bet on it right now, I would say Timberlake probably starts the year in the starting lineup at the two until they're confident enough in El Marco Jackson that, really? that he can go ahead and consistently now, it's probably going to be very similar to what we've seen multiple times where it's like Nick Timberlake will, or, you know, Nick Nicholas Timberlake will be the starter, mm-hmm. but he may not yeah. play the starter minutes. Like El Marco Jackson yeah. might end up playing, you know, 25, 30 minutes, but not be actually, or, you know, like start the game on the bench. Um, yeah. I also yeah. think that that's probably, you know, I feel this year more than ever that they're probably going to, especially since everything else is locked down, they're probably going to rotate. Um, from the two until they find something that they think works to give them the best jump to start. Um, just because I don't think that there's enough definitive between Timberlake and Jackson. And then, you know, the wild cards of Furphy and, and McDowell, like there's enough guys that can fill that role that can start there. And it's about who gives them the best jump off the bat. And then who is the most impactful yeah. when they come off the bench, you know, not, not too long into the game. So I think you could very well see guys not being starters but playing the majority of the minutes just because that's the way that they play best. And we've seen that with other teams in the past. Um, I, I think I'm most interested in, you know, the, the amount of minutes that KJ Adams is going to get. Are we going to see a lot of Parker Brown? Um, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm curious about some of the other bench guys and how we're going to manage those minutes. Cause I do know that last year we kind of wore down throughout the year because we didn't have a really deep bench and then you got injuries and you had to deal with a whole bunch of stuff. And by the time we got to, you know, by the time we got to the tournament, you were basically running eight deep and, and that was yeah. kind of unsustainable at that point. So, but something that is very, very sustainable is always finding something absolutely fantastic from the sponsor we have here on the podcast, the Charlie Hustle clothing company. Charlie Hustle is the, or is a vintage inspired clothing company based right here out of Kansas City. They have, and they want you to be the best dressed fan this year they have so many different great things they are a collegiate vintage inspired uh, clothing line they have stuff from KU K-State from all of the Big 12 schools except for Cincinnati at this point which oh well but they also have Colorado um, and and are, wor- are working to get the rest of the schools coming in they are a Big 12 focused company as well which is why we really enjoy having them as a sponsor here on the 1012 podcast network um, because they are so focused on the Big 12. They have a brand new Big 12 conference with the Kansas City skyline on the shirt. It's an absolutely fantastic shirt if you've not seen it. And of course, they have the bomber jackets. The KU bomber jackets are absolutely fantastic. So if you go over to Charlie, charliehustle.com, use promo code 101215. That's T-E-N-1215. You can get 15% off of all non-sale items over at Charlie Hustle. And that's not a one-time code. That is a whenever you want code. So make sure you save that for your holiday shopping. T-E-N-1215 gets 15% off of all non-sale items over at charliehustle.com. All right, Mike, I do want to go ahead and jump in, kind of talk about some of the things that we expect to see during the season. But before we do that, I need to throw to a quick break. We will be right back on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Step into the world of power, loyalty, 
and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChampaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And we're back. I am here with the Scoop Meister himself, Mike Vernon. Um, we are talking Kansas basketball, although we couldn't help in a first, I think in a really long time, <laughs> we, we detoured to college football first, to Kansas football first, but we just got done talking kind of through the roster, who we thought were going to be the big contributors. I, I am, I am very curious, kind of looking through this schedule. There's a lot of stuff on this schedule. You have UConn, uh, that you are, you know, you're hosting UConn. You're, let's see, you're hosting Kentucky. You're obviously going to the Maui Jim Maui tournament, uh, which is, which is not actually going to be, uh, norm, where it normally is. Instead, it's going to be over in Honolulu, if, if, if I remember correctly. But you, you travel to, uh, you know, travel up to Indiana. You have Wichita State on the schedule. There's a ton of just really huge non-conference games. If you're looking through this Missouri. non-conference slate, yeah, I didn't even mention Missouri. <laughs> like if you're looking yeah. through this non-conference slate, I mean, is there a game it's that kind of jumps out or is this just one of those, it's going to be hit after hit after hit. And, you know, the hope is that you win all of them. For me, it's UConn. You got the defending champs coming to Lawrence. It's fun when it's the first time that uh, a big basketball school comes to Lawrence in a while. You know, that's first time in a while that a big basketball school comes. I mean, so I think there'll be a really exciting and fun atmosphere potential to be, you know, one V two. Like that's how good these two teams are top five matchup certainly on, on paper. So UConn jumps out to me as what should be a really fun home atmosphere. You know, the Maui, the Maui field is loaded as well. Um, yeah. And of course we, we didn't even talk about the scrimmage that's coming up that is going to be, um, this weekend. Yeah. It's this weekend coming up homecoming. So, you know, if you're, if you're very, um, enterprising, you can go and watch the football homecoming game and then jump immediately on the road to head up to Illinois. If you've got tickets for the, for that as well. So, um, going to be a whole lot of fun though, but you know, um, I mean, so, so you've got that to look forward to as like the televised scrimmage, you know, we, we saw, uh, Kansas awesome. and Missouri do one of those a while back for hurricane relief. So, um, I think that those, those charity games are the right mix of competitive enough because you want to put on a good show, but also lighthearted enough that, you know, it doesn't get taken as, as seriously because of what you're there for. So it's, it's always a good entertaining, I think, uh, event to kind of see there. But I do agree with, well, I do have to quibble just a little bit. Are, are you saying that Indiana is not a big time college basketball program? No, no, no. Because they came, um, they came to Lawrence last year. And I know I was just wondering because of your comment about, you know, the, 
It's it's not very often, and, and it's been a while since a big time college basketball program came to Allen Fieldhouse. But I oh mean, no, no, sorry. I meant it's. Well, I want to clarify the first time. So like, you know, that oh right. So their game, first time coming. Indiana okay, game, that makes a lot more sense. So a new a new blood, if you will, uh, coming into the Fieldhouse is is a cool exciting thing, especially when they're going to be at you know the peak of their powers, if you will. Well, and I also fully endorse anybody who wants to let Dan Hurley know just how wrong he is about the Big East being the best basketball conference that there is. Um, feel free to, you know, take full advantage yeah, of that at Allen Fieldhouse. So, but yeah, I mean, so you've got, I mean, you don't go more than one game. Like there's one quote unquote off game at the most between these, you know, you've got Kentucky and then you go to the Maui Jim Maui tournament. Like, so champions classic, then you yeah. go to to Maui, uh, which you start with Chaminade, which Kansas always gets seems to get Chaminade, which I, I don't I don't blame you know the organizers for wanting to give Chaminade that game, but um you know you have to think though that the 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 other two games are going to be pretty difficult ones. Um, then you have Eastern Illinois, and then you have UConn coming. Then you have Kansas City, and then you have Missouri coming. Um, I do find it interesting that there are no there's only one road game in the non conference slate. Um, which is the game at Indiana. I'm a little surprised by that just because it seems like Kansas typically does, you know, some stuff to, to kind of challenge themselves on the road. Although I think they tend to do more neutral site games as opposed to uh, true road games. So that may not be that surprising, but, um, you know, I, I don't, go ahead. That Illinois game is going to be a a good atmosphere too. Indiana. uh, No, I meant, Oh, uh, oh, you mean the the exhibition? Yeah. The scrimmage. Uh, Yeah, Yeah, it is. It is. Um, you know, well, and, and I do find it, I do find it interesting too, because we are so used to the week of Christmas, um, you know, Kansas doing either a West coast trip or something like that on the road so that they can then just send everybody home from there. They're not doing that this year. Obviously you have the game at Indiana on the 16th, but then you are at home on the 22nd against Yale. So, um, I think that's a little bit different, but you know, December 30th, having at T-Mobile center playing Wichita state, uh, should be a very interesting game as well. I'm just, I'm looking for, and then of course you jump right into conference play. Um, you know, I don't know how much of media days you actually got to watch or how much you kind of caught up on afterwards, but, um, you know, this conference looks just as good as it's ever been. And you get teams like Houston and, you know, um, I mean, BYU even to an extent, and you got Cincinnati coming in, it's not going to get any easier. And you have, you know, some, some of these newcomers up right away. Um, what are your thoughts in general on the Big 12 this year? Like, is this a year where Kansas is good enough that they might have one or two challengers, but probably are going to, you know, fairly comfortably either win the conference or split it with somebody? Or is this one where there's minds all over the place and, you know, they just have to hope they don't get blown up too many times? You know, first of all, like this is the special year where you get the new the newcomers, the non-Arizona newcomers, but you still have your Texas and OU. So you still have Texas and OU with the four new schools. I'm I'm really excited for it. I, the schedule is is tricky uh, now that you're not playing everyone twice. So you don't know exactly how that shakes out. For me, what you get two against Houston. That's that's your biggest competition in in the conference. Um, can they win? You know. Can they sustain? They'll, they are not used to playing a schedule like this. So I'm really curious to see how they hold up. 
otherwise like and and i think what's helpful there is that you know they go to houston at the very end of the season so if there's ever going to be a time where they're going to be beat up or having to worry about how to handle you know a big 12 gauntlet like that's the perfect time to go down to houston yeah so my thought my thought is you're going to lose some games but your best competition is playing you know entering a new world uh so you know there'll be less familiarity less familiarity with the officials the arenas the rims the balls i mean all that stuff is is real um especially frankly official familiarity and how they how they ref the league i i think there will be some some growing pains uh of the other top contenders contenders who else am i who am i missing oh Baylor, Baylor's going to be good. I haven't looked at their schedule. Baylor will be good. Uh, I just don't know if they're going to be quite as good as we're used to seeing from Baylor. Um, same with Texas. Like, I think it's one of those, yeah. it's really hard to know how the top of this league is actually going to perform because, you know, there's been a lot of teams that have lost a lot of guys. Um, you know, I mean, even Kansas lost a bunch of guys. They were able to restock, I think, with better pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, that really kind of fit what they're trying to do. But I, I don't know that I get the same sense from the rest of the, you know, the transfer portal has made it a whole lot more difficult to, <laughs> to really kind of know because you have so much turnover from year, you know, year to year. I did find it interesting during media days that it was probably about 60, 40 in favor of getting rid of the double round Robin. Um, a lot of the, you know, old schools that were here that like had the red Robin or the round, the round Robin, were sad that it was going away, but then there was a plenty of them were like, Hey, this is actually going to make it a little bit easier that we don't have to go to both places. Um, and, and I know on, on the women's side, they were extremely happy about not having the double round Robin because mm-hmm. of just how, you know, how difficult it is, I think to, to kind of go to those teams over and over, especially if they don't balance it correctly. So you go to a, you know, you have them come to your, to your house. And then two weeks later, you're going to theirs um, makes it a little bit, a little bit weird to have so many of those games so close to each other. But um, I think this gives them a better opportunity to kind of spread stuff out to give us those big matchups. Um, you know, I do like the fact that we have, you know, uh, Houston, Kansas State, and Baylor. We have them at the beginning of February. We have them at the beginning of March as well to kind of end out the season. Um, if I'm looking through here, though, like, I see plenty of games or plenty of stretches that should be big, long winning streaks. But I also see plenty of games where it's like, well, I could see them losing that one. I could see them losing that one. Like, I could see them going up to Ames and losing to Iowa State because I think Iowa State is is going to be pretty formidable this year. You know, I could see them potentially losing at Kansas State. Um, potentially, probably not. But, um, <laughs> you know, especially just coming off of the game against Houston and then also hosting Baylor right after that. Like, you have a big Monday game after you host, you know, the number two team most likely in the conference. And then you're going to another ranked team the end of that yeah, week. It's vicious. So, like that is a really bad spot to have a that big Monday game. But you know, this is Kansas. We're we're kind of used to that. So so looking over everything, if you had to make a prediction as it stands right now, where does KU finish in the conference and what record do they have in conference play? Oh, uh, well, I'm taking K I'm taking KU to win the conference. I think I saw that they were they were plus two hundred, two to one. And I'm like, that's, I would probably take that. Uh, the record, w- without knowing all the games, you know, just looking at that schedule, you drop one, maybe two, three, three, four, maybe four, 
four or five conference games probably. That's my, I'll give me four. I it's just different. Like all the old Big Twelve math that I'm used to is kind of gone with the new right. Schedule. Well, because normally you can be like, okay, well, you can just go down all the teams and say, well, we'll beat them at home, but we might we might lose on the road. And like right. knowing that you're playing both of them each of those times. Um, does make it a little bit like yeah, if like, I'm looking at it, the games that I think most likely, right, where Kansas could potentially lose would be at Houston at the end of the year, at Baylor potentially yeah. at the end of the year. Um, you know, you might yeah. lose at Texas Tech depending on how good Tech is at the end of the year and how you know always tough they've been able to yeah kind of make that home field, and then at Kansas State, like I think that's a really tough spot in the schedule, and and you know at Iowa State, I don't, Iowa State, I have a hard time picking Kansas to lose any of the games at home except for maybe like a Texas just because for whatever reason they they match up a little weird with Texas. Um but like I'm not worried about BYU and Allen Fieldhouse. I'm not worried about, you know, teams like Oklahoma State or Cincinnati at Allen Fieldhouse. Um and you know, you get a brand new newcomer in uh UCF, you go down there for your first road game in conference play. That's quite the uh, welcome for for Central Florida to the Big 12 to have Kansas coming in game two. So, um, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I think I think out of the 18 game schedule, Kansas probably wins the league at 14 and four or 13 and five. The real question becomes, do they share it with anybody or like I think 14 and four, they probably win it outright. If it's 13 and five, they probably share it with at least one. Yep. So So I'll take 14, four and and give them give them it outright. It's just. You said it like we're not even talking about at West Virginia at Elkie State games that have given KU a hard time before when it's, you know, January 20th, it's going to be frozen in Morgantown. We've seen it a million times. Yeah. You know, new coach there. It'll be a little different. Um, so like, yeah, we'll call it we'll call it 14-4. I feel good about that. Awesome. All right. Well, and so then um, before we finish up for the day. Uh, what's one thing about this Kansas team that you're looking to get answered, whether it's, uh, I mean, just yeah. like, what's the one, the one thing that you're looking forward to the most about learning about this team? Can they shoot? I mean, okay. So like, that's my concern. The concern I want answered is, is figuring out if they can shoot. They've got Timberlake, but Dewan Harris, KJ Adams, like those are two guys on your roster that aren't known to stretch the floor and Kevin McCuller. Uh, and if you're going to try to play the Hunter Dickinson game, you need, um, you're going to need shooting. I mean, it will, it makes you unstoppable if you have consistent shooting, like the offense could be, the potential is just ridiculous, but I don't see it without the shooting. So then it's all of a sudden, well, also their defensive potential could be ridiculous. So my question is, has, you know, Dewan, KJ, or Kevin McCuller, have they improved their shot? Uh, can Timberlake get comfortable enough to, to chuck at the rate that they're going to need him to, to let it fly? And where does Johnny, you know, fit in that too? So that's the biggest question mark. I am most excited to watch Dewan and Hunter play two man basketball like that. That to me should be really fun, creative Bill self basketball. We're going to also have some KJ entry passes to Hunter, like stuff like that will will be really fun to see. And and then, you know, what do you set the over under for the number trash. of uh, Q 
KJ, I'm sorry, uh, Dewan Harris to Hunter Dickinson lobs. Oof. Oof. I don't, I wouldn't even know what number to start it at. But... It's funny. I asked Dewan this exact question. He said, that's probably not what you want to bet on. You probably want to bet on KJ to Hunter Dickinson lobs. Yeah. So yeah. I'll be very interested to kind of see how that goes. Oh, so that's interesting. Yeah. They're going to go, yeah, get him going north to south. Wow. I'm looking forward to seeing that. Um, you know, uh, one other thing that we actually didn't talk about that was uh, announced during the the block charge rule changes, which I think is going to have a huge impact on all of college basketball this year. Did you see the differences, and and what are your initial thoughts on the way that they're calling that differently? Oh, for for really some context, tight. sorry, because I I just realized. Yeah, that, share it. Um, so what they have basically said now is that you have to beat the player to the spot. No longer can you slide in, um, you know, as they've already planted their foot and getting ready to go up, um, as they're gathering the ball to go up, that is already too late for you to slide in to take a charge. So what they were really upset about was as they were looking through it, there was way too many instances of guys they were able to as the secondary defender slide in extremely late and still get a, a charge called for them. So they actually had said, and, and this was the big quote that got shared that out of the hundred big 12 calls, charge calls, when they went back and reviewed them under this new lens, 96 of them would have been called blocks. They basically said the two opportunities that you're going to have, where you're going to likely see charge calls are when players are driving in from the oh, like driving in on the baseline or driving in from you know the the wings, um, to, and and because that's pretty much the only time you're going to actually have an opportunity to get in front of the guy. It's no longer enough to establish legal guarding position and then shuffle along with them. You actually have to beat them to the spot. So what they've now said is that uh, you know if you or if the offensive player's foot hits the ground before you know and then they go up from that spot if you are not already in position in front of them then it is a block uh, whereas before it yeah. was as long as his foot hadn't left the ground you could slide in there um so a little bit of a difference like it's a it's a very small time difference but it's going to have a huge impact i think they've been told to if there's any kind of question about it it is a block automatically they are hoping that it's going to lead to more physical play down low where you know you have guys going at it like you're not going to have people falling all over the court all the time um, so I'm excited to kind of see how that comes together, but I'm very curious about how it's actually going to be officiated as people get used to it. Yeah, that's my question as well. Are they going to be able to stick to it in conference play when, you know, you're on the uh, uh, the home player takes what would be a charge in the past? Um, my guess is they'll be really strict early, really, really strict. but. I'm in favor of the change. I know Dewan Harris takes a lot of charges, but he's not happy with the change. He said, but he understands why they he made it. A, you <laughs> yeah. know, Bill Self is. Uh, did he talk about it? I, I asked him about it. The difference. What, what he said. He basically said, "Well, you know, I mean, I, I take a lot of charges, um, and I'm going to have to figure out how to get those a whole lot faster, or going to have to change the way I play defense entirely." So, I mean, it's going to require I mean, uh, a lot of big changes. Did anyone ask Bill about it though? Uh, I don't think anyone did. I'll have to go back and look at the video that I have, but I don't think anyone uh, asked him explicitly about it, but I know that we, we definitely asked Dewan about it because we were yeah, interested, yeah. you know, he's the guy, but I, I think he's it's going to completely, yeah, it's going to it's going to completely change the way that teams like Texas tech and uh, Iowa state play defense. 
because that's pretty much what they are, you know, known yeah. for is bringing that secondary help defender and creating situations where you can get the ball going the other way. I think it's, yeah, I'm, I'm again, completely in favor. It college basketball had a charge problem. There was no consistency. There were too many. It totally limited offensive players in most of the time over the long haul. Also like that's going to net out to, well, this change would net out to favor KU. They're the more talented offensive players, right? They're over the long haul going to probably have some bad charges on the road. It's never been Bill Self basketball to teach teach the team how to take charges. So if they stick to it, I, I think it's a great change. It's it's needed. It has been frustrating how guys slide under. You know, it's not. It's, yeah, I mean, like it's old man me. So it's, I'm, it's I'm one of those. Of it. I think right, it's good for it's, KU. It's one of those. If you're talking about how the game should be played, how the game should be officiated, I think that the charge call is is one of those things that should be extremely rare and it should be extremely obvious that, you know, the offense did something bad. Um, yep. The way that it's been officiated has been, I think it's been more that it's been inconsistent, but then also that I think they just kind of got away from what you would normally expect. Um, you know, if you're talking about how to actually play the game and what actually makes a good game to watch. And so I, I think it's a necessary change. I just hope that they follow through. Because if they follow yeah, through and they yes, officiate yes. it the way that they were talking about it at Big 12 Media Days, then I think the game's going to be a whole lot better. You're going to see a lot more physical play. You're actually going to see, you know, I think teams have to play defense. You're going to see opportunities, I think, for a lot more challenges to shots as opposed to just trying to step in front of a guy. Um, and I think it will be helpful. I think the one thing that I'm the most concerned about is when when an offensive player is driving down the lane and a defender plays him physically, doesn't fall over, and, you know, kind of seals him out, are they going to call a block on that all the time if the guy doesn't go down? Mm. Like, are they going to allow them to play physically the way that they were talking about how they want them to play? Or are they going, like, the, the, the big catchphrase that they said was, you know, basketball is a contact sport. There should be contact. Like, you shouldn't be calling a foul every time that there's contact. Um, I... I just hope that they stick with that because I think it would make it for better, you know, a better, a, a better sport overall. I think it'd be a better thing to watch. You can watch guys kind of go back and forth. You can kind of see, you know, the athleticism of certain players kind of take over and really give them good opportunities to put on a show. Yeah, I, I agree. If it's good for college basketball and this is good for college basketball, it is good for Kansas basketball. Yep. That's and fair. And I hope they stick to it. Less less whistles, more physical play, less charges, allow some more offensive creation at the same time. It, it works out in overtime, certainly while Bill Self is your coach. It, it'll work out in your favor. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, you know that the offseason is full, completely full of storylines when you don't even have time in your preview episode to talk about the fact that the IARP stuff is over and the, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the, the sanctions that they got were basically a nothing burger. Um, but that's a perfect segue into what you are doing. Um, I, you know, I've read the first two parts of your series talking oh, about the IARP and the NCAA and all of that over at the hearings. But go ahead and share with the people what you do both over at the hearings and then also the, the podcast. Yeah, no, thank you. Thank you for reading it. TAU Hearings is an email newsletter and website uh, where we're trying to get the scoop on KU things or or report on things that – Otherwise, generally wouldn't be reported. 
check it out. Let it, you know, it's free. Have it in your inbox. See if there's anything interesting to you. I try to throw in some links, have some real like utility in there for, for your any given day. Um, at the same time, I've also, <laughs> a former journalist, gone rogue and have spent the last 20 months exploring and trying to get the behind the scenes of how this NCAA and IRP situation got away from the NCAA and got uh, certainly raises some serious questions about the trustworthiness of of enforcement and and everything moving forward. So some behind the scenes look there and then the podcast could be wrong pod with Nick Schwert where we're we're just having fun and talking talking KU sports. Yeah, there's there's never it's none it's not possible to have too many entertaining fun options to talk KU sports. So yeah, I, I have definitely yeah. enjoyed adding it to my rotation of KU podcasts to listen to. Um oh, I you. highly recommend it if you have are not already following it and already listening to it, definitely go ahead and check it out. Um you know, would love, I, I love the fact that you guys are showing it all the time. Um, you know, <laughs> we show but, uh, it on there. Yeah, exactly. The, the other thing too, you know, I saw somebody make a comment about your, uh, series on the, IA, the IARP and it's like, you know, of course a Kansas guy is going to be talking about this, but I will say it's been surprisingly, um, devoid of Kansas specific stuff. It's very much a looking at the entire process, looking at it. It's not like a, I'm a KU guy. This is why it's bad. It's more of a, this is the situation. This is why it's bad. And oh yeah, by the way, Kansas happened to be involved. Like this is how we were able to kind of figure all this stuff out. So yeah, here's, here's the first story was about Kansas and whether this thing was independent. And then the second was a, a zoom out to look at the other cases and issues that were happening across in, in a few examples that were like pretty damning i think when you look at it and then hopefully this next one will yeah i'm, I'm looking forward to part three yeah well well we and and, and i think it makes sense in, in a kansas newsletter in the first one you kind of talk about you know the stuff that kansas fans know about relate it to the main thing you know that is going to be the entire point of the series to talk about the behind the scenes stuff um but like there was very it was very louisville heavy <laughs> in 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 number two because that was like the most egregious example, I think, of kind of the early stuff that was happening. So, um, fascinating. Yeah. yeah I'm not saying clear. it was bad. Like it was definitely, it was informative. I really enjoy those kind of, you know, it's, it's why I subscribe to things like, uh, like extra points with, with Matt Brown, kind of that stuff that uh, view, Matt really cool. yeah, the view behind yeah. the college football or college sports that you don't typically get to see that kind of gives you that extra information. So if you're looking something with a KU, a, a KU focus. I definitely highly recommend the, the KU hearings. Um, of course you can Thank follow you. Mike over on Twitter at M underscore Vernon. Um, I know I do that. It's hilarious to see all the Kansas state fans that try to think that they can own you on Twitter and it doesn't actually work, but uh, yeah. So you're so mad today. Oh my gosh. It's hilarious. So, all right. But I think that is going to go ahead and do it for us today. Mike, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you have not already, please do go out where, wherever you get your podcast for it's Apple podcast, Spotify, any of the other million apps that are out there, just search for Rock Chalk Podcast. You can subscribe, get every episode as soon as it comes out. You can give us a rating and a review, five stars, nice comments, absolutely fantastic. But if for whatever reason you can't do that, just let us know what it is. We, we can be doing better. We really do bring the podcast to you guys to get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want to try to interview, anything like that, contact me by email at rockchalkpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at rockchalkpod. We are, of course, part of the 1012 Podcast Network covering all the teams in the Big 12 Conference. Um, 
You can find links to all the great shows that we have over at 1012network.com. Make sure you go and check out our Patreon as well, patreon.com slash 1012network. We have some uh, interesting stuff coming up, including something related to Big 12 Media Days. Um, I'll just let you guys know, uh, Dog Park, uh, if, if that means anything to you. Otherwise, make sure you go check it out. It's going to be over there. It's going to be fantastic. But make make sure you visit our sponsors, Charlie Hustle and Prize Picks, to get some absolutely great deals. But that's going to do it for us today. Thank you guys so much for listening, Mike. Thanks so much for joining me. We will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Podcast Network.